bring the heart. It's time to get loud. Let's go! Because this is Betfred Super League. Bring it on. Welcome along to this week's edition of Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast, sponsored, as always, by our good friends at Beth Fred. Well, there's a packed edition of the show this week as we look back to a magical weekend in Newcastle and ahead to another round of the Super League fixtures this coming weekend. But first, to the State of Origin decider, played in Brisbane on Wednesday morning our time between Queensland and New South Wales. Now, if you were with us last week, Steve-O described what was to come as brutal, Steve-O, it's not often you undersell anything, but I think this time you did. <laughs> Brutal, blimey, what an understatement that is. Yeah, uh, it was expected. Everyone knew, perhaps everyone knew, apart from the New South Wales players. They should have tried to match the onslaught that came through. But Queensland, it's difficult to win up in Brisbane. But the way they started, I mean, they lost two players within the first five minutes to head injuries, and they couldn't get back on. So Queensland were down two players from the bench. It was a remarkable, remarkable win by the Queenslanders. It, it, it got my juices flowing <laughs> until they started throwing punches, and I thought, hmm, maybe... I just thought for a moment, oh, I would have loved to be playing again. And then they threw a few punches and I thought, sat back and said, no, I did the right thing years ago. Gave it up. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I can imagine that. The, the thing is, in the first three and a half minutes, as you say, there were three men taken from the field, two from uh, Queensland, one from New South Wales. Cameron Murray was the first to go and then at the start of the second half there was a real punch up Steve-O it was like going back to the 1980s punches were being thrown and Ashley Klein put the two perpetrators in the sin bin now if that had been in Super League they'd have been red carded and I'd imagine that next week at the disciplinary committee they'd have been done for what eight to ten weeks why does it all change when we play State of Origin because referees are often told by the people that pay their wages is that this is the ultimate in Australia. So don't spoil it. In other words, don't send them off. It will put a bit of a damper on it. It's been happening for years and years and years. We've often been criticised in the UK of doing exactly the same when it comes to a Wembley final, a cup final. Don't send anybody off. Don't penalise them in the opening 15 minutes. It happens all the time. If you are being paid by the governing body, you will take notice. 
<laughs> I'm sure that Klein did. I felt sorry for Burton because Burton was being hammered <laughs> by Gagai while another Queenslander was hanging on to him. So it was, it was, open, it was open slaughter. And uh, I, I was surprised that uh, he joined him for 10 minutes in the Zinbin. But look, Klein had to do something. But it, it didn't surprise me at all. There was no chance in my mind that they were going to be sent off. Ten minutes was sufficient. But it was brutal. Oh, it was. It was so brutal. I mean, it should have had a little uh, triangle at the bottom of the screen. As I say, all the commentators were saying this is the, the greatest game they've ever seen. It's a hark back to the, the days of the 80s when it was uh, hey, lads, hey. Uh, Queensland now... I think I'm right in saying they've won 15 of 21 of these deciders and the last six of the deciders held at the Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane, they have now won. So you're right to say it is difficult to win uh, north of the border. It's only on two occasions where New South Wales, when it's been uh, level and the, whoever won on, on, that, uh, on that ground picked up the trophy and New South Wales have only ever done that twice since uh, the inception of the state of origin. Uh, we, we mentioned it last week, didn't we? We said the situation was that uh, the Biff was on, on the cards. The return of the Biff, all those people that keep calling for it, they would have enjoyed it. But the amazing thing is that the injuries were nothing to do with the Biff. No. It was just unfortunate uh, getting in awkward into a tackle, etc. and so forth. But it was brutal in as much that the impact was tremendous. The pace of the game. I loved every minute, as I say. I, you know, that to me was, was one of the best that I've seen for a long, long time in the State of Origin series. What do you think the English players watching here, the England internationals who are going to be taking part in the World Cup later this year, what do you think they are thinking right now because I mean I don't know whether these players can lift like that for a World Cup tournament they should do of course um, but it, to me it sent a shockwave through everything you know a lot of these players play for the islands Fiji and uh, Tonga Samoa they're, you know they're all Pacific Island a lot of them are Pacific Islanders as well as Australians um, it's going to make for one hell of a World Cup isn't it well we we got the message through when the South Sea Islanders played a couple of weeks back. Uh, they laid down the gauntlet. They said, it's not going to be easy. You know, don't think that this is just a New Zealand, a New Zealand, Australia and England competition, because it's not. These South Sea Islanders can play. You know, Papua New Guinea, Samoa, they've got a very, very good collection of people who are playing in, uh, in, in Australia. And when you think about it, they laid down the gauntlet. And last night was another indication of what this World Cup is going to be like. Um, I fear for the fact, uh, our first game, England, we play Samoa. Yeah. Now, we should win. But, as you say, watching that game, they don't need a coach to tell them what to expect. All they have to do is just rerun that game this is a standard that we'll have to lift to well it was a magnificent match the standard was incredibly high 
And now let's look back to the uh, magic weekend in Newcastle uh, just last weekend. 62,154 people there over the two days. They enjoyed the summer heat. But I'm pleased to say, Steve, we are experiencing over here. I know you're still a bit damp underfoot. Um, but, you know... Damn, tremendous... damn. <laughs> we, we've flooded all over the country. <laughs> well, it's totally different here. We've got heat warnings out for this coming weekend when all the games are going to be played. But, hey, um, the matches played at the weekend, I thought three crackers and I thought three... Uh, okay games. The first one, Wakefield-Toulouse, a stunning second-half fight-back from Toulouse. The first time they've recorded back-to-back -back Super League wins. First time they've won out of France. Uh, they were 20 points to four down Toulouse at half-time, but David Fafita, sin-binned, right on the half-time hooter. And while he was off, Toulouse got three tries to turn it all around. Discipline cost Wakefield dearly, didn't it? Oh, sure did. I mean, you know, with a lead like that, why on earth do you want to bother, what was it, uh, 20 points to four, uh, messing around at the play the ball area, holding him down, etc., and so forth. Uh, I mean, it was just, just, well, not needed. But there was always sort of an, an indication that maybe things would change because... The French side, they're used to playing in hot conditions more than what the UK players are. So I, I, I thought that but it, it might have been, a what, 20 points to four. I thought, well, I don't think they'll be able to come back from that. But against a team that went down to 12 men and then went down to 11 men, uh, it was always going to be on the cards. And what about the excitement now? Uh, forget about the top of the table. It's all down now to Toulouse and Wakefield. Because Wakefield, they've got a, a stronger running than what Toulouse has. And Toulouse, I think they've got two, three games down in the south of France. Yes, they have. The next three are all at home. They're on this run of form. Wakefield facing three of the top six coming up. Now, Wakefield are in a real relegation dogfight, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they sure are. And, and it, it's, oh, it's an amazing how things can change with all the announcement that they're going to get the ground fixed up and sorted out and bring it, up to, bring it up to the proper standard. And yet, they could be in the lower division. It just doesn't bear thinking about it, really, no, does it? No, it's, it's just ironic, isn't it, that things like that do it. But talking about David Fafita, um, his brother... Uh, Andrew Fafita was interviewed a couple of days ago and he indicated that he may not travel with Tonga for the World Cup. Now this is a bit of a shock and the reason why is he's been invited to be the best man at his best friend's wedding during the World Cup and he may stand down and he also indicated he was asked the question, where, when are you going to retire? He said, oh, I may even go over and play with my brother in the UK. It's a, it's a real shock for Tonga. It's a real shock for Tonga. It's a real shock for me. Why, why, if he's about to retire in the NRL, does he think he would come over here and get a start in the Super League? That's the question that immediately has hit me while he just uh, said those words. Why would he think Well, that? Well... <laughs> 
you've only got to look back at it over the years. How many how many players that say uh, are past their best down under? Uh, I might come for a little bit of a, a pension and play for a team in the UK. They've been doing it for years. I know. I know. I think it's disrespectful, but there you go. That, that That's just uh, my way of thinking. I understand that, Eddie. I, I know you think it's disrespectful, but by the same token, they get so much money down here that they'll say, well, I'll, I'll get a bit of a bonus and go and play maybe a couple of years uh, in the UK. Uh, you can't blame them. We keep saying it, don't we? It's not about the game anymore. It's about how much money I can earn. Well, that's true. Look, the second game on uh, on Saturday, first day of the Magic Weekend, was Wigan against Saints. Now, this was a high-quality game, as you'd expect. Too many unforced errors, though, in the first half, mainly due to ferocious defence on both sides. Um, but in the end, you know, a fantastic second half and some wonderful, wonderful tries being scored by both sides. But then Saints coming up with Johnny Lomax's try the match winner in the last two minutes. A fantastic advert for Super League this was. Yeah, and, and I was pleased that they put that on as the second game because uh, we all knew that it was going to be a dogfight, the Wakefield to lose. And then we had what we call the main course. And it was. It was outstanding. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I mean, you know, Bevan French, you know, is a great player. and But... Lomax, he just keeps coming up with the right plays, doesn't it? Yes. A lot of people, a lot of people don't seem to understand how important Lomax is to this Saint Helen side. He may not have that wonderful ability to sort of sidestep three men and do all that sort of thing, but his linking qualities to from the the centre of the pitch to get the link out wide to the three quarters is outstanding. He's uh, a great player, uh, and I, I've often thought that he's been underrated. He is a key factor to St. Helens' success. He is. He and, and um, people like uh, James Roby. I thought Joe Batchelor was outstanding as well. Absolutely brilliant runs from him. Yeah, it, it's all about the hard work, isn't it? Um, I, I, I like this kid, he uh, gives everything. Uh, it doesn't hold back with anything at all and um, I, I, I think he's certainly a, he's going to be a player for the future as well very much so third game on uh, Saturday was Leeds against Castleford Leeds wearing a special Rob Burrow commemorative kit led out by Rob's daughters and they defeated Castleford uh, for their first defeat in Newcastle for the Tigers first ever defeat up there in the northeast of England now both of these sides have got eyes on the top six in fact everyone from five down to ten think they can make the six that's where the race is on now because Saints are four points clear at the top and the top four are six points clear of the field yeah it, it, it's always going to be a battle in, in the mid table and I'm glad that it has turned around that way uh, Leeds well you know they, they were in a real slump weren't they uh, new coach injected new ideas etc and injected a lot more enthusiasm uh, I thought they, they played well. Uh, Castleford, far too many mistakes. You just can't control a game when you keep dropping the ball, miss tackles, etc., and so forth. Um, and it, it, it didn't surprise me that they come because 
a lot of these teams, they're struggling to have their best players on the field of play. There's a lot of injuries um, about, aren't there? Huge yeah, amount of injuries yeah. and suspensions, to be fair, but a load of injuries just now. It's that time of year, I suppose, and um, maybe the weather has got something to do with it as well because, you know, hard grounds, you know, it can, can play havoc on uh, on your knees, your back, etc. And, uh, you know, when you get tackled on a hard ground, um, you're susceptible to, you know, especially shoulder injuries where you, you're getting slammed to the ground. The defences are very, very solid. We saw that, didn't we, in the Wigan Saints game, that defences uh, are a priority now for, for most coaches. Yes, and Huddersfield, uh, they are the boomers, really, of uh, 2022. They have cemented their place in the top three. A good win over Salford, Ian Watson's old club, of course. And Ian Watson himself, he signed a contract extension until 2026 for Huddersfield prior to the game so he's going to be around for a, a long long time what a great move this is by Ken Davy and company is it ever uh, a lot of clubs perhaps uh, they shy away from offering a coach a long term agreement they'll do it for players but it's an amazing thing that long term contracts for, for coaches hmm, not so much in the UK they do it down here down under uh, because they realise the ability of the coach. And let's face it, he has turned Huddersfield around. He's a very, very good coach. He's gone through the system. Uh, they always say, you know, you start at the bottom and then finish up at the top. Well, th there's a, a wonderful example. Huddersfield are going to be a strong team for quite some time. Indeed so. And this weekend, they face St. Helens at the Totally Wicked Stadium on Friday night. So that is a massive, massive test for their ambitions, isn't it? Sure is. Uh, and St. Helens <laughs> realises that it won't be easy. He's got a good squad. He's got them working hard. But you'd have to say that Saints would start favourites. And the way that Saints are playing, they dig deep. They've also got a very solid pack. But their defence is, is solid as well. It'll be interesting because, as you say, it'll lay down the pattern as to the way that Huddersfield are going. I think it'll be a close game. It will indeed. And who was it who once said, Steve-O, never, ever write off the Saints? Oh, look, I don't, I don't want to blow my own trumpet. Um... <laughs> <laughs> trumpet? Trumpet? You've got the saxophone? <laughs> uh, the, tuba, the tuba? You name it. Uh, and, the... and what... And why not? Because, Eddie, um, I hate to say this. Steady. You were, you were correct. <laughs> well. You, you, you could never write them off. They, no. they had this wonderful ability, didn't they, for many, many years. Oh, it looks as though they're going to lose. And all of a sudden, with seconds to go, uh, <laughs> someone will pile over and win the game. As off it happened. Pop. As yeah. it happened with Lomax. Yet Indeed. Again. Indeed. Uh, it, it's as though that... Um, they've got this magic circle they said we play for 80 minutes we don't let let down we go for the full 80 minutes and that's and that's what they do that's confidence for you very much so and you've got to be right once in your life I suppose <laughs> and talking and talking of Saints Eddie yeah look Wayne Bennett uh, is very very confident and the rumours are that um he will be in charge for the first two years and that Christian Wolf will join the Dolphins in 2023 or 2024. 
This is the new uh, NRL club that's coming up in Queensland. Yeah, it looks like uh, when Bennett will uh, take charge, which he has done anyway, um, but is in his 70s, a bit like Tim Sheens, who's also also rumoured now to go back to coaching because the West Tigers are in such a, a bit of a mess. Uh, he's 72, my old mate Tim. Uh, I rang him, well, I couldn't get through to him, so I sent him a message and I said, you're not going to start coaching at your age. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you look at Wayne Bennett, he's in his 70s, he's still a good coach. And I tell you what, Tim she if there's one man that can turn West Tigers around, it's Tim Boyd. Yeah, he's a good coach, he's Shinji. But isn't it amazing that uh, the, the rumours are very, very strong that Christian Wolf has already made arrangements to take over from Wayne Bennett for the new club, uh, the Dolphins. Wow. Well, that hasn't been... Uh, uh, well, it's been rumoured over here, but it hasn't been uh, confirmed. And we know how close your ear is to the ground in Australia. Well, well let's not boast about it, Eddie. This is also rumours. Uh, I know. But evidently, Bennett, Bennett has been uh, discussing it and saying... They put the question to him, and he said it would prob probably be a, a, a good choice. <laughs> he's, he's a crafty fella, is Bennett. Doesn't say much. He not to us, not no, to the public. No, no not to the media. He says a lot to his players. Absolutely, he does. And, and, and you know, fair play to you because you were the man who tipped and said it to us on this podcast last year that Steve Price was on his way out of the Warrington door way, way before that that was. Confirm. So I take it that you are talking, not balderdash for a change, but you are talking the <laughs> truth. <laughs> maybe, maybe I was just lucky on that yeah, on that well, situation, eh? <laughs> uh, uh, you've got a, you've got a few good contacts. Look, uh, talking of Warrington, as we were, and Catalan, they uh, played the second match last Sunday. Now Catalan, they had several key men absent. They couldn't hold on to Warrington, who probably produced their best win of the season as did George Williams you can suddenly see can't you the fruits of Daryl Power's labour starting to, to come good at last you know Daryl Powell is a pretty smart cookie as well um, you look over this season Warrington have shifted a few players see you later we're not signing you on for another season etc he's gone for young players and it was the younger players that got Warrington home against Catalan. You, I know that Catalan had a few injuries, but you know, Powell is taking taking a, well, is chancing his arm on the fact that he'll go for youth rather than uh, the older players. And he, he he knew that he had to not wipe the board clean but make it a little bit more available for other talent to come through. And and I was impressed by uh, the youngsters that he, he sent out there. They they played as a good team. They did. And this Matty Nicholson, who we discussed last week, uh, controversially, some would say, uh, they pinched him from Wigan's academy. What an impressive debut he had. And he scored a try as well. Shall I be the first to say it, Steve-O? 2023... Warrington's year. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let me take a deep breath here. <laughs> um, look, uh, I think next season they will be contenders for the top four. That's how I feel. 
it takes a while for a coach to settle in. Look, six months ago, they were saying that Powell's no good. Yes. It, it can't coach. It, they, they haven't got the right system. It's this, that, and the other. And look, when you get rid of former stars, and they go to other clubs, etc., and so forth, and you're clearing the decks and bringing in young kids, the players that are left experienced, they think to themselves, hang on, I better start pulling my socks up here. I better start getting involved in this. And you did mention one player there with full experience um, that played out of his skin because all around him was youth. That's right. And they had to do without Gareth Widdop. He scored that try, a brave try, considering he dislocated his shoulder in the very first couple of minutes. Uh, he's now counted out for the rest of this season and indeed counted out of Warrington because he has completed his move to Castleford. He'll be there in 2023 at the Jungle. So if it is Warrington's year in 2023, it won't be Gareth Widdop's year with Warrington in 2023. Well, as I say, we've just mentioned the fact, you know, they're clearing the decks. Um, Powell's a, he's a, he's a, a good cookie as far as I'm concerned. Um, but isn't it amazing, as we said, you know, a few months ago, get rid of Powell is no good. Can't get the players motivated. He has his own way of motivation, and that's if you don't come up to scratch, you're gone. Yeah, Not a bad idea either. No, and a few of them have already seen the door and uh, more to come, I think. Now, look, after starting Saturday so brightly and ticking along nicely with the matches that we've uh, just been talking about, arguably they did save the best for last. The whole derby was an absolute thriller. The 240th meeting, Danny Maguire's first as the head coach. So close this. 14 all at half-time. But then Hull's short-term loan signings caught the eye. Ellis Longstaff, Jack Walker, Josh Sim. They played a huge part in the black and whites win, didn't they? They certainly did. Um, and I felt sorry for uh, Old Kingston Rowers because uh, I thought one of the tries which perhaps would have got them the win uh, underneath the sticks uh, yeah. was disallowed. I, I, thought it, I thought he got enough pressure down on, on the ball, but that was only my opinion. And it, it seemed to just take it away. Uh, you could tell by Danny Maguire's uh, face that he knew that if that had been given, perhaps Hull couldn't have come back. Yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, that this Mikey Lewis, I mean, to score a hat-trick and be on the losing side, that's, uh, that's very, very difficult to take. This kid is exceptional. I, I, he is. I would not be, I would not be surprised... Um, if he makes the England squad for the World Cup, it's a big, big it, it's a big ask. But it's a big call. That's a big call. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. He, he's light on his feet. He's cocky. He's confident. You know, he, he had a fantastic and what, match. And that's what we need if we're going to play. You know, against against New Zealand, Australia, Tonga, Samoa, we need someone who's got that ability. And and I've got to be honest with you. I don't think we have that many playing in England that can produce that sort of attack. That's the sort of thing that we need to beat these top sides. So I'm, I'm making a big, big suggestion. 
he'll get selected in the England World Cup squad. I'd pick so, him. So have you got the Mikey Lewis for England badges, just like I've got the Lee Breers for Britain badges now? That... <laughs> <laughs> well, you could you could say that, but listen, did you? <laughs> Did you make any money out of those budgets? No, no. I keep telling you, I've got 3,000 of them in a box <laughs> in the garage. What, why is it, Steve, that at the end of Magic Weekend, it always seems to be that they save the controversy before the final moments? Because you've referenced the Elliot Minchella uh, try or no try for Rovers late on underneath the post that, that would have probably won the match. The video ref said he'd lost the ball in a challenge by Longstaff in the act of scoring under the post. I don't think the pitches were 100% conclusive. I didn't think so either. No, and but that's that's how it goes, doesn't it? I mean, um, you could tell Danny Maguire's face. What? He hasn't yes. given it? I know. He, he, he could not believe it. I mean, it's a, it, it was a great game. And, you know, red and white, black and whites, they, they never let us down, do they? No, you know, they don't. There have, been, there have been times where, you know, uh, the black and whites have been far superior, and yet they go to <laughs> they go go and play their their neighbours and get absolutely hammered. Um, it, to me, it it resembles the same sort of thing with Queensland and New South Wales. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what your position is, or that you were the favourites, or whatever. When it comes to these derbies, especially the whole derby, um, you can expect an upset. Well, talking of upsets, and I think we ought to have a little swish here at our old mate John Wells. Some of the man-of-the-match decisions that he made over the weekend, I was scratching my head, particularly particularly the whole derby, the last one. Longstaff, he scored two tries. He's never scored in 14 matches for Warrington previously. He's on loan at the Black and Whites. He scored two tries. He saved a try underneath the post, but he didn't get the man-of-the-match. I mean, what more can you do? I know Jack Walker had a decent game, and there was one or two others that, you know, I thought, well, why is he giving him that, the man of the match? But I suppose beauty is in the eye of the beholder, eh, Steve? <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> listen, Eddie, never trust a former winger. <laughs> they're, they're out, listen, they're out, out wide, and sometimes they don't seem to see the game. <laughs> Well, yeah, listen, listen it, it, it's happened to us over the years when we were both working at Sky TV and we used to have guest people to yeah. pick them out of the match and I used to scratch my head and look, and when I was given the opportunity to the man of the match I, I'd guarantee that uh, within five minutes of the game finishing people had come up to me and say how on earth have you given that? <laughs> I know. Where on earth? Where on earth have you plucked that out of, and all that <laughs> sort of thing? As you say, it's in the eye of the beholder. Indeed. indeed. Though I, I, I must say, talking of John Wells, um, I'm a little bit confused about uh, these stats that keep coming up. Uh, Twenty-four thousand, twenty-four thousand meters or something over, over the last. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I, I know I'm getting old, but. I, I, I just cannot recognise what this has to do with uh, the, the game itself. I'm getting old, Eddie, I know. but Yeah, well, well, we both are. But, I mean, that was all over the state of origin as well, uh, the decider. 
I mean, we never saw the graphic. We never saw the actual figures on the screen. But uh, Andrew Johns kept referring to, you know, whatever it was, I don't know, 31 metres a, a second or something or 31 metres a minute or, you know, they, they've hit this and they've hit that. And they all they all have these stats now. They all have these statistics from the, the GPS systems that they carry around on, on the back of their shirts. Do you know what I'd like to see on that? Do you know what I'd like to see? When somebody is taking a conversion attempt at goal after a try, what the kicker's heart rate is. You know, if, if it is a vital kick, I bet it's doing 50 to the dozen is heart, but of course we don't find those sort of things out, do we? That's not a bad suggestion, Eddie. You've you surprised me. You've there surprised you me. For a man that, for a man like myself, um, I was never, never too sort of interested in regards of uh, how many, how many, to, I mean, to me, how many tackles you've done uh, is something that is vital so that that is a good stat but uh, I've, it completely goes above my head 43,000 yards yeah, or metres <laughs> or, or whatever and, and he could run the 100 metres in, in uh, 11.6 uh, uh, it, it's beyond me uh, well, but it just, it, it just indicates that you and I are getting past it we're yeah. old yeah, those two, those two old fogies. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there saying, "What are they still doing?" Something on <laughs> on rugby league. Both of them know nothing. Correct. And, we don't. And you know, there'll be a heck of a big percentage that are probably right. <laughs> I, talking of statistics, I remember turning up to matches with you, and we turned up at the old Nosey Row ground, or we went to Headingley, and the first thing you said to me when I saw you in the car park, who's playing? <laughs> I think you may be stretching the imagination on that, but I think, but you, I, think would... you were, I think you were talking about who's playing in the teams, the thirteen men and the four subs. <laughs> I, I really think you didn't know it was at St Helens and Leeds. Of there, course, but... of course. <laughs> uh, look, before we go, some great news uh, has come in in the past twenty-four hours. Uh, the one and only Sir Lindsay Hoyle, the Speaker of the House of Commons, he is going to succeed Claire Balding as the RFL president at the end of this year and into 2023. Good on him, Lindsay. He's a great bloke. Uh, we know him personally. Uh, and I think he'll be a magnificent president for our game. So Lindsay Hoyle, steeped. Rugby league runs through his veins. Simple as that. And congratulations. In fact, if I see you, Lindsay, I'll buy you a drink. Wow, hang on, hang on. That is a massive call. He's a Warrington fan, Steve. We also served as chairman of Chorley Borough. He's a Warrington fan because, of course, his dad is vastly associated with the Warrington Wolves lord, uh, Doug Hoyle. He was the man who took Sir Lindsay uh, to the game in the first place. And, uh, well, it's fantastic. It's fantastic that Lindsay is going to be the president of the RFL. Uh, I think we've come to the end uh, of this week's uh, podcast. Uh, any other hot gossip from Australia? We're hearing that you, they're going to pinch Christian Wolf from us, that Tim Sheens is going back probably to coach the West Tigers. Uh, we know what's happened in the state of origin, of course. Queensland are celebrating. Uh, what else? Anything else or nothing? Uh, well, uh, regarding to the state of origin, um, they have signed a new contract a TV contract and it, it looks as though that the uh, NRL are looking at ways of not putting too much pressure on the players due to the fact that the state of origin 
uh, interferes with the season. Now, remember, with the pandemic, they played all three games after the season had finished. And there is pretty strong talk about the TV influence ensuring that perhaps the three games will be played after the grand final on a regular basis. It's not been con confirmed, but that is one of the suggestions. Uh, the other suggestion is perhaps that they have a fortnight's gap between each individual one, two, three state of origins. So it's up for consideration, mainly due to players' welfare. A lot of these players, perhaps uh, after the great game uh, on Wednesday, that they'll back up and play for their clubs. And they're a little bit concerned that uh, it, it could be dangerous. I can't blame them one bit for worrying about player welfare. That's uh, laudable. If they're going to play the three games, Stevo, at the end of the season, after the grand final in successive weeks, couldn't that be the death knell of International Rugby League in Australia? It could be, Eddie, but also it could be played perhaps at, before the start of the season. I'm talking about any internationals. Uh, it's something that perhaps could be a bit of a problem. And let's face it, if the TV company, if they want to say, well, we want to move it, um, I don't think the NRL would have enough power to say uh, no. No, because that would be a, a, a deal worth millions and millions of Aussie oh, dollars, uh, wouldn't it? Of course, of course. Yeah. It's um, And also up, up for uh, discussion is whether the female rugby league competition, would the clubs make the females full-time professionals as well? That's also been circulating down here. And that just gives you some indication of how powerful over the past five years that the female game has come to prominence. Men, women, children, they all enjoy the sport and they hopefully enjoy this podcast as well. And we'll have another edition of Eddie and Stevo, the podcast, the best rugby league podcast around at the same time next week when we'll chew the cud again for 30 minutes. Always as ever, Stevo, a delight to talk to you from soggy Sydney, from Heatwave Britain, ta-ta. Ta-ta.